We have been in this series looking at the um, uh, way that God has formed this world, this universe, the cosmos, how he has uh, prepared it for us and how we fit into it. We're looking into the scriptures to discover what it is that he has done and how, how he has arranged these things. So uh, the series is Edify, and we are looking at how we reframe and renew and return. And uh, man, we're going to keep going. We have looked at three areas that have shaped the world that we're in and our, our lives, how how life is lived, how people live in relationship to God and to others, how nations work. And we started with Genesis chapter 3 with the fall, the rebellion. Uh, Adam and Eve turn their, their back. They don't listen to God. They go their own way. That breaks things apart. They have to leave paradise. They are no longer in the Garden of Eden. And now they go into the world to make it they still have the same call they still have the image of God they are carrying that forward but they are to multiply fill the earth with people to work on this world the world was prepared for people the goal is to have people as God's family part of God's family so that's part a huge part of what's going on then we come to Genesis chapter 6 and we have a rebellion again and we have this rebellion of these spiritual beings who have taken on human form and now they have had sex with the human women and now we have half God, half human uh, giants in the land, the Nephilim, uh, all of that, that rebellion leads us into the great flood to take care of uh, that, but we're also told in that passage that there, these giants existed after the flood, so it still continued. God stops it. Uh, there is a uh, a change in the heavens, and there's a change on earth as a result of that rebellion. And the third one is among the nations. Another thing happened that is huge that affects us, and that's among the nations at the Tower of Babel, and that's in chapter 11 of Genesis. So chapters 1 through 11 are a summary, and we only have 11 chapters. That covers a huge expanse of, of uh, events and people and creation, creatures, all shaping the earth physically, but also the spiritual reality which is more of what we're looking at in this series. So all of those things are unfolding. That's why we have to reframe, because we, we land on something and we decide, well, that's it. You know, I picked that up in third grade Sunday school. I'm good to go. I can last the rest of my life with that. And I would prefer you be prepared for when you meet Jesus and you can say, I, thank you. I understand what you were doing as opposed to, I'm just going to stick with my third grade understanding of these things. So, reframing is just a natural part of growing. Uh, Romans 12, we're told to keep renewing our minds so that we are 
coming closer and closer to what God has designed us for. So that learning process it just keeps going. It's what we're called to be part of, part, part of what we're supposed to do. So we're looking at among the nations. We're looking at that third uh, point, uh, third rebellion, and seeing where that takes us. But uh, I'll just lay it out. Okay, the nations. This, this is Genesis 10, verse 32. These are the clans that descended from Noah's sons, arranged by nation according to their lines of descent. All the nations of the earth descended from these clans after the great flood. So you have these people that have come out, three sons, and they happen to have wives, which is nice, but they're not named. But the, the three sons, these, these couples, have these children, and they populate the earth. All of us are descendants of these, this group. And it's just amazing. And you can trace these names all around the world and see where they pop up and how they were... Uh, influential or played a part and, and, and in their movements where some of the things are, are going. So, let's see. Uh, we, we get this name. There's 70 names or 72 depending on there's a name or a couple that you can divide the names. So, in some New Testament when they refer back they'll say 70 or 72 because of that particular thing. But, if you take a name and you go with Javan. You go, so, you know, how's that show up today? Ever heard of Java? How about Indon- Indonesia? Ever heard of Japan? Follows through. Ever heard of the Iberian Peninsula? So read back through the list, and you find this Iberia who has, and it, so that's Spain, Portugal, that, that peninsula. Where else did he go? Because they lived hundreds of years. So they, you know, oh, I've only lived in that place 100 years. So, you know, just getting started. Well, apply for a job. You know, I did that one for 350 years. Well, dude, you're just getting started. You don't have enough experience. And you just, wow. And it's just a whole different mindset because they, they just had a longer lifespan. So Iberia peninsula in Mediterranean, Europe. Where else could that show up? You ever heard of Siberia? Huh. It's on the other end. These names, you can trace them, you can find them, they're moving these tribes, and the lineage goes back. You go to Ancestry.com, you get it back a little ways, but nothing all the way back to these guys. So this is awesome to find out. This, these are the generations, and they have spread around the earth, and God was moving people, but he did some other things. This may be the part that's new as we take a look at this. So nations and heavenly beings. Deut- Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 8. When the Most High assigned lands to the nations... When he divided up the human race, he established the boundaries of the peoples according to the number in his heavenly court. Deuteronomy 32. Moses is wrapping up his speech to the people of Israel, and he's recounting a number of things. But this typically gets tied into a practical, physical, maybe uh, uh, religious connotation. 
So we put all of those things in those uh, in a bucket. And what Moses does in chapter 32 of Deuteronomy is says, here's the real story. God is at work in a broader way. And these people understood it, that there was something more going on. This is more spiritual. We're dealing with more in, uh, beings, heavenly beings who are in, engaged in the world in which we live. So this is Babel. That's what he's referring to. So God divides the nations. That's in chapter 11 of Genesis. And he comes down. They're building the tower. They're all gathered together. He divides the languages. We know that. How does he do that? What happens to them? Where are they? Where, what's unfolding here? How does he divide them? And that's where he tells us. He divides them according to the number of his heavenly court. Some translations you may see will say, according to the sons of Israel. The Tower of Babel happens, then the nations are divided. Later, Terah is born not in that original generation, Terah, the father of Abraham. So now we're down to Abraham. How can it be divided by the children of Israel when Abraham hasn't been born yet? So that's not the case. So what it's talking about is the heavenly court, which is the beings that God, heavenly beings that God has called together in a council that he would interact with and he still does, and he's looking forward to us joining him at one time in, in the future, which we won't cover today. But that all he's bringing together this council of beings. And that's his, the family that existed long before we ever showed up. And he's got them talking about you know, how we're going to do this with the people, how we're going to do this with the earth, how do we, you know, let's put these, let's, let's move the people and divide them, and he puts these super beings, heavenly beings, over the nations, the heaven, according to the number of his heavenly council. So we got a basic 70 that we know from Genesis 10. That group is now going to go out. He's got his council. These are going to go out. Now there's going to be a, as a result of that, a uh, again a heavenly being I'm trying to avoid the word angel because they serve a different purpose so these are assigned heavenly beings to govern, to help to guide they are to point people in these groups back to worship of the living God, one true and living God they're supreme beings in terms of uh, supernatural abilities, they're spiritual beings, they're not physically bodied. So what happens with that? Another rebellion. A number of them, as they take these nations to take the people out, they began to think, wouldn't it be great if they just worshipped me? I'm here. I'm, I'm Baal. I'm... Zeus, I'm, those names show up in mythology, and we don't know the actual names of the ones who played, we know the names of some, but not many, of the ones who held positions over these nations. 
So here's this nations. The nations around the world have divided. There are supreme beings or, or super beings that are participating in this. You can get it recounted in history. Uh, mission, missionaries, when they come to these tribes and these different areas around the world, some of them hidden from other civilization through the years, through the centuries, will tell the story of how they were led to a particular place and then they hit a wall because this God was greater than that God and they had to stop. How they recognize that there's, there's a, a super God out there but we worship this one, the local God, the geographical, our national, our nation God. So they have split up, gone around the world, and we've lived in the world in which they reign. And all of that affects the world as we watch it unfold. Let me take you to Daniel chapter 10, because you still may be going, what? So just in case you're doing the what... Let's go to Daniel chapter 10. He's been praying for 21 days, asking God for some help. Some help comes, and the, the answer was given immediately. The angel tells Daniel, but it was delayed because of a battle that was going on, and this is how he explains it. He replied, Do you know why I have come? Soon I must return to fight against the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. And after that, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Greece will come. Meanwhile, I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one helps me against these spirit princes except Michael, your spirit prince. Who's the your? That's Israel. Who's the spirit prince of Israel? Michael. Is there a spirit prince of Persia? Yeah. Is there a spirit prince of Greece? Yeah. How did that all happen? When they were divided up at Babel, according to the nations, according to the heavenly council, and now they're spread around the world, and the rebellion that happened at that level, seeking worship of their own, has created a world in which God is at work with his people, Israel, and his new Israel, us, to do battle so when he says, you are in a spiritual war, he's not kidding. When he says, you need to put on the full armor of God, he's not kidding. When he says, you don't really understand what's going on out here because you keep looking at this world and I keep telling you, look to heaven, he's not kidding. Because there's more going on than the physical, what happens on CNN or Fox or any other news channel. God is at work, but there are beings that, are, that exist that were here before and are part of this movement of God that he is working. That is beyond our normal existence, doesn't get covered in day-to-day -day updates and news channels. So you have to learn how to identify it, how to see what God is doing behind those scenes to see the invisible forces at work because this world doesn't see it. They don't recognize it. They think they have it figured out. They think they can nail it and straighten out all the problems. 
uh, with a few dollars or the right person in charge, and that's not how it works. So how's that for reframing? We are dealing with a heavenly counsel, God's trusted counsel, and a bunch of them went sideways. Now he calls the nation of Israel to be a light in the midst of all of this. Michael is the prince. He's the spirit prince. Do they have other leaders? Yeah, they have David. They have Solomon. Who comes alongside them? Michael. So he's going to help the nation. He's going to help their leaders too at times. And then they rebel. And when they rebel, God says, okay, that's what you want. And he lets them have it. He always saves a remnant. And he brings them back around. But it's just a cycle. And people tend to run in the opposite direction of what God is asking them to do. Oh, thank God for Jesus coming along. But he's at work. So there's a sovereignty involved in this. A providence that is the invisible hand of God working among the nations because he wants to bring people back around. He wants to see people come to recognize him. He wants people to come to the place where they uh, follow Jesus. They understand that there's more to this, that they honor him, glorify him in the things that they do because they recognize that even when they clean the kitchen, when they take out their trash, they are doing it before the eyes of God and spirit witnesses, good and bad, all around. And we blow off jobs and think, well, nobody sees. Ha! So many see. And the applause in heaven when we do it to his honor and glory is great, thunderous. But often we just, nah, it's not a big thing. doesn't matter what I say. doesn't matter what my attitude is. I can just do whatever I want today. And the evil ones cheer. Because in darkness, they say, we got another one. Or we got them for another day. Or we got them for this hour. And watch the relationships divide and people hurt, pain flow. And they love it. And God is at work. And he's at work among the nations. Acts 17, 24 to 26, God determined the nations. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. Human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. So the United States reaches from the Atlantic to the Pacific Ocean because of the Monroe Doctrine, or the decision of someone in Washington or just a bunch of people who just thinking maybe I just want free land I'll just keep going that direction go west young man whatever it might be that's how we got the United States no God determined the boundaries who would rise who would fall and when huh there's a movement. Are there 
beings who are opposed to God and involved in this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can talk to Native American nations, and they have gods. There are gods of the Incas and Aztecs, and there are gods in the tribes in Africa. And you go around the world and you go, huh, where'd those come from? But us European people, we never had that. No, we didn't have Germanic gods, and Greek gods, and Roman gods. and Yeah. Yeah, we did. Lots of them. And we worship them in many ways still today. In many ways we turn our attention in another direction, but we're worshiping other gods, maybe uh, substitutes of some sort in this world, but we find a way to get around the one true living God who is above all. And when these gods come to encounter the one true living God, or when people who have been worshiping these local gods, these geographical gods, which is what this is all defining, they go, oh yeah, we get it. Jesus goes to the Gentile locations. The Gospels tell us, he says, we've got to go across. So they go across the Sea of Galilee to the other side. And when they get to Decapolis, Decapolis is a foreign nation. It's a Gentile nation. It's not part of Israel. They have pigs, which is there to tell you this is, these are Gentiles. They eat bacon. People in Israel avoid that because that is impure and not according to the law. And Jesus goes there. And strangely enough, some dude who's demon-possessed comes out of the graveyard and says, Oh, Lord, Lord, Son of the Most High. So how is it that he's on track? How does he know that? Where did he get his information? They didn't hand out brochures. They just landed on the beach. And he walk, they walk up there, and the man with the demon, who is connected to the spiritual beings, gets information about the ultimate spiritual being who has now walked ashore. Uh, I am in trouble now. Please don't send me. And there's a whole conversation that goes on. Jesus is recognized when he goes into those places because those gods, those demigods, those, those semi-gods that are in the, all these places representing the former heavenly council and then this among the nations recognize there is one true God. And many times when these missionaries begin to talk to the people in, within their culture, they'll tell them that they understand there's a pantheon of gods within their system, hierarchy of higher and lower gods, and, and, and they, they have powers and they have influence and they do play a part in these people's lives, but they recognize when they're put on the spot, we know that there's the God, there is the highest God. So when you read in Scripture the most high, that's not just to be comforting to you. That's being said because he is the most high and because these other beings exist, 
They have power. We're told don't mess with them. Don't think you're equal because you're not. But there is one who is above them all. And he, the God of glory, is the one who determines and he's setting up these boundaries and he goes, you can go this far, you can't go this far. Here are these nations. And yeah, there's rebellion and he's allowing it to go on and he is in the process of bringing people around and he's given us time to respond to him and to do what we need to to bring as many people to him as possible. That's the goal is so that his family can be enlarged Seek after God, Acts 17, 27. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. That's what he's doing. And he wants the people out there to know. Now, the spiritual ones can spot when a spiritual being comes into their presence or someone who is... Who is um, well, a friend of Jesus. You walk into where the demonic is, and it sets things off. So there's there's some uh, carryover just in for believers. Here's the battle, Ephesians six. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And we've talked about that. We've gone through Ephesians. We did Ephesians 6 for a while. But we didn't do the, geo, the geographical spiritual aspect of that. So here's the heavenly council, spiritual beings assigned to the nations, another rebellion. So we have three, the fall in Genesis 3, the, the evil ones who took, took the women and Genesis 6 led to the flood, and Genesis 11, we have the rebellion that brings on what we see in the nations around us and the battles that are going back and forth. That's another aspect of this. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Then why is it that pretty much every day our worries, our frets, our complaining about this world are about flesh and blood enemies? In the family, on a national scale... Uh, this party against that party, this group against that group. Where does that come from? Because we think it's a flesh battle. It's all physical. It's all this guy said, this guy thinks. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Do you believe that? We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers. So who are the evil rulers? Oh, it's just demons. Demons are devil and demons. There's a whole lot more. We'll cover that later, but there's a lot more. This gives us a clue. There are rulers of what? The nations who got divided. And authorities of the unseen world. Who are those guys? I don't know. There's these spirit princes who are over this area or that area. Huh. Against mighty powers in this dark world. So in the dark world, that's, that means the ones opposed to God and his way, there's this whole thing that's going on and there are evil beings involved in that, twisting things and moving things in another direction and twisting whatever is true, whatever is good, whatever is beautiful, trying to turn that around, turn it upside down, twist it, and they're at work. 
That's the battle. And against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So is that just the devil and a handful of demons? Are we at levels, geographical areas? We've got rulers and hierarchies at work here. Things that are influencing the world in which we live. And it's a battle. Not pretend, not mythological, not legend. This is a battle. And it affects you every day. That's why you're told to put on the full armor of God. To work in his power. Because these things are not to be messed with. So we take on his power. And then we take a look. Just take a step back. We begin to look at the map. We begin to look at the world and see what's going on and what rises up and who's saying what about what different areas and themes. Huh. And you'll see the dark forces at work all around. There are physical outcomes and there are physical people, but just for a little while. I love this from Michael Heiser. He says to read the Bible as fiction. Because when you pick up a book or, or watch a movie or a TV show and it has something weird, you're watching Star Trek, Star Wars, or uh, we talked about Twilight Zone yesterday. So you, you just watch a 30-minute TV show and you go, for a moment, you kind of let go of your critical mind. And you just to let it unfold. Oh, okay. I can, I can, or Harry Potter. Okay, there's magic. There's a whole magical thing. Magical people, and then there are muggles, and that's us, and we don't know nothing. And so there's this whole other thing going on. And you can release it because you're looking at fiction. And your mind can handle that. And what he says is read the Bible as fiction, not like because it's untrue, but because you need your mind to let go of the stuff you're holding on to in order to reframe and go, oh, there are powers, there are things beyond what I thought, and there's a whole lot more going on. If you practice that, then you look at the map. Then you look at what's going on in the world around you. Then you listen to a news broadcast. You go, oh, now I see. There is someone else going, there's someone else at work, and not just one. The devil is not omnipresent. He is not equal to God. There is a lot of other things going on. That's why there's a multitude of rebellions. And God is at work bringing those all back together. Jesus, when he walked on the earth, was dealing with all three of those. So he begins to try to put things back together in in an amazing way. But we are not fighting against flesh and blood. Doesn't mean we don't have those battles sometimes, but that's not the big battle. That is not the big battle. So reframe. God assigned spiritual authorities to the nations. And spiritual authorities at first were supposed to point people to God, and they blew it. So that's another, we'll cover some more of that next week. Nations are groups of people God wants to come to him. People groups, all kinds of people groups. There are the the big nations, but there are also uh, language groups and ethnic groups and just families of people around the world and God wants to bring those nations by whatever name to him 
The supreme battle for the nations is spiritual. It is a spiritual battle. It is uh, happening in a physical world, physical universe. We've got to take uh, steps. We've got to participate. We've got to get engaged in it. But we've got to keep, keep our minds on heaven and re- realize that there, is a spiritual, there are spiritual forces behind all of this and at work and that God is leading this whole physical reality into a whole different kind of, uh, well, newness, a kind of reincarnation for us, but a newness for all that we are about and are involved in. So the supreme battle for the nations is spiritual. So he has a bunch for us. He wants to take us into more than we know at this point, and he is desiring to prepare us for all of that so we get to be part of it and the scriptures have a lot more to tell us we'll take a look at some of that next week let's pray father thank you for allowing us access to the book and to your truths and to your reality lord forgive us for those times when we have shot really off the target we have missed the mark we have thought this world was all wrapped up around some physical thing and maybe heaven after we die and we missed out on what you are doing here and now lord open our eyes to you and to your works wherever they are whatever they may be and lord guide us into a deeper and deeper relationship with you and that we might truly uh, glorify you and all we do overcoming the dark one in the dark forces, in the heavenly places. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.